What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Martian MMA Podcast. I am your host, and my name is John. And this week, we are back with episode 118, where we will be analyzing and predicting the UFC Fight Night card going down this Saturday, October 10th, 2020, headlined by Corey Sanhagen versus Marlon Moraes. This 13-fight card will take place from Fight Island in Abu Dhabi, United Arab Emirates, which means it will take place in the big UFC cage. Just to recap last week real quick, I went 5-5-1 on official predictions on the podcast, but unfortunately lost 4 units. It's been a rough few weeks in bets for me, not going to lie. I was up around 50 units about maybe 6 weeks ago, and I'm down to about up 35 units for the year. So it's still been a winning year for me, but definitely on a bit of a cold streak right now and look to get out of that rut in the next few events. But this fight card has some pretty good spots on it. I like some bets here, and I will be analyzing all 13 fights here shortly. So we're going to start things off in the flyweight division. We have Tagir Ulanbekov taking on Bruno Silva. The opening betting line for this one was Ulanbekov minus 455 to Silva plus 355. Right now we are seeing Ulanbekov minus 460 to Silva plus 365. Not really much action coming in on this fight at all. Ulan Bekov is the rightful big favorite. He is a training partner of Khabib. Very similar style to Khabib as well. His takedowns and grappling are definitely his best aspect. He has good chain wrestling where he can shoot multiple takedowns together. He has that good top control with the leg lace like Khabib does. I noticed that Tagir likes to dive on submissions a little bit more than Khabib does. He's a little more aggressive when going for submissions and... That's just because he's at a lower weight class. He's at 125 pounds. Those guys move a lot faster. They have quicker transitions. So Ulanbekov does have very good submissions, and that's going to be a big weapon for him here because he's fighting Bruno Silva, who is a jiu-jitsu guy, a grappler uh, primarily as well himself, but he's kind of sum- uh, susceptible to getting submitted. He's been submitted multiple times throughout his career, and I think that he's probably going to get outgrappled and likely submitted here by Ulanbekov. I think the striking could be competitive because that's definitely where Tagir is most inexperienced but even in the striking I think I favor Tagir a little bit and once it gets down to the floor I favor Tagir by a pretty wide margin and think he outgrapples Silva and probably finds a submission somewhere along the line so I guess it is dog or pass at these odds because you can't be trusting Tagir in his UFC debut at this minus 400 minus 500 price I think his chances are about 80% to win here, but I think if you want to bet this fight, just go with a prop, maybe to gear by submission or to gear round two, round three, something like that. So the pick for me is going to be to gear round two submission. The next fight takes place in the women's bantamweight division. We have Tracy Cortez taking on Stephanie Edgar. The opening betting line for this one was Cortez minus 305 to Edgar plus 225. Right now we are seeing... Cortez minus 185 to Edgar plus 160. More action coming in on the underdog Stephanie Edgar, and I agree with that action. I think that the, where that opening line was set was a bit wide. I think uh, Cortez does deserve about 60-65% here, but where she was at around 75% was definitely a bit wide. I think this is a pretty even matchup. Both these women have pretty similar styles. They are definitely primarily grapplers, but they're both a bit sloppy everywhere. I think that uh, neither of their striking is very great at all. I think Edgar in particular, her striking is very ugly, uh, very sloppy offense, doesn't seem to have much defense at all in terms of blocking strikes, and I've seen her get outstruck by pretty low-level fighters, so that is definitely not a good sign. And most of her wins are kind of over low-level competition. She only has one really good win on her record, and that is Rina, who is an older Japanese fighter that Edgar was able to pretty much dominate throughout their fight. 
I give Cortez a pretty big experience advantage. She actually has come through Invicta, fought much better competition. She has wins over UFC level fighters like uh, Agapova. She had a close fight with Aaron Blanchfield, who's one of the best fighters in Invicta. And we actually have seen Cortez make her UFC debut. She put in a nice three round performance at 135 for the first time and got a very uh, dominant decision over Vanessa Mello. Not really a, a tough test at all, but Cortez did pass that test very easily. So like I mentioned before, I do give an advantage to Cortez everywhere here. I think she'll be the slightly better striker because she actually has a concept of defense and has a bit better offensive technique as well. And then in the grappling, it should be close. I think Edgar comes from a judo background. She's definitely most comfortable when grappling. So when this fight inevitably hits the floor, it's going to be interesting to see who the better grappler is. In my opinion, I'm trusting Tracy Cortez to be the better MMA grappler here, to be more accustomed to fighting in the cage, using the cage to her advantage. And I think that she um, outgrapples Edgar as this fight goes on. So Tracy Cortez is going to be the pick for me. I think she wins by decision. I think that the early action coming in on Edgar when she was 2-1 to one was good bets. But where it's at now, I think it's starting to approach uh, Cortez territory if you want to bet her. Uh, personally, I won't be laying any action on this fight. I think it's just a pretty low-level fight um, that will likely be a close decision. So I'm going to pick Cortez. And I do think her chances are around 65% here. But it's not the most confident pick at all. And I probably wouldn't advise betting this fight at all. The next fight takes place in the featherweight division. We have Giga Chikadze taking on Omar Morales. The opening betting line for this one was Morales minus 135 to Chikadze plus 115. Right now we are seeing Morales minus 160 to Chikadze plus 140. Interesting line movement. More action coming in on the favorite Omar Morales here. He is dropping down in weight to 145 pounds. He is 2-0 in the UFC at 155. Morales' last fight was actually a very similar matchup to Giga Chikadze. It was an un another southpaw kickboxer in Gabriel Benitez. Benitez is not near the kickboxing level that Chikadze is. Chikadze, of course, comes from that kickboxing background, has 50 kickboxing fights, glory kickboxing experience. So Chikadze is definitely on another level, but Benitez is a very tough test. And Morales looked pretty good passing that test in my opinion. It was a close fight at times. There were some even exchanges, but Morales definitely got comfortable dealing with a southpaw kickboxer. And that's going to be big experience here because he's fighting Chikadze. Very similar matchup, very similar analog in terms of the way they fight. I'm actually a bit unimpressed with Chikadze's transformation to MMA. I've said this pretty much every time he's fought so far. I see a lot of guys transition from kickboxing to MMA and they look great, but I don't think Chikadze is one of them. I don't think he's really figured out the footwork and the spacing and possibly cardio too. I think there's some cardio issues late. Chikadze also doesn't have great takedown defense, has been outgrappled and submitted by Austin Springer on the Contender Series. And Chikadze really struggled in that fight, stuffing takedowns. He was gassed out in round three and did get rear naked choked. So Chikadze's takedown defense is a big, a big question mark. That's definitely been his biggest problem in in his MMA career so far. Morales isn't really known for going for takedowns. He has hit them in the past, but he does not shoot them at a high rate. But I think this will be a very competitive striking match on the feet. And I think that Morales has that uh, that grappling card in his back pocket if he wants to attempt takedowns or put this fight into the clinch where he can possibly put this fight in his favor. So I think in terms of a pure pick goes, I'm going to go with Morales by decision. But in the betting window, I don't think you can be laying that minus 160 on Morales here because it is a new weight class for him. He's dropping down. We don't really know how he'll look at 145. 
And there's a possibility that Morales makes this fight harder than it has to be by just striking the entire time. If he stays in the distance striking, he probably gets outstruck. So he's going to have to mix in the clinch and the takedowns and make this a full rounded MMA fight for him to win. And I do think he's going to do that. I think that he's going to exploit the weaknesses of Morales in the clinch and possibly hit a few takedowns. And I think that he'll hold his own and possibly even win the striking exchanges at distance. So pure pick goes. I'm going with Omar Morales, but Giga Chikadze at this plus 140 price, I actually think it's a pretty solid bet. Haven't locked in any action on my, my end yet. I think that if Giga has any success in this fight, it will be very early in round one. So you can always live bet if it's not looking good, if his cardio looks to be dropping off, if he starts getting taken down. You can always live bet on Morales to hedge out that action. So the pre-fight side in this one is Giga, but my pick is Morales. The next fight takes place in the bantamweight division. We have Ali Alquazi taking on Tony Kelly. The opening betting line for this one was Alquazi, the minus 130 favorite to Kelly plus 110. Right now we are seeing the line has flipped. We are now seeing Kelly minus 225 to Alquazi plus 185. Needless to say, much more action has come in on Tony Kelly. I don't know how he opened up an underdog in this fight, but if anybody was able to get in on him at the plus money or even anything with minus one next to it, I think that's a good bet. I think this is a very good matchup for Tony Kelly. I was actually picking and betting Alquazi in his last fight. It was a very close fight, split decision type of fight. I actually thought that his striking looked a little bit better than I expected, but his wrestling, his grappling, as we expected, was not very good. It was very submission reliant. A lot of his wins on his record are quick submissions over low-level grapplers, and a lot of those fights, he doesn't really look like a solid grappler, and that kind of showed in the Erwin Rivera fight. He doesn't have reliable wrestling or top position, so I think that's going to make it very hard for him to win. In the fight here because in the striking I do give a pretty significant advantage to Tony Kelly here in his UFC debut he lost a close decision to Kai Kamaka but that was such a good fight I just rewatched that fight this week one of the best UFC fights of the entire year so far competitive back and forth striking in that fight Kelly really gutted it out and took some big shots in round one, a lot of body shots, some big head shots as well, but halfway through the fight started making some adaptations, showed good cardio, good clinch skills, and was actually outstriking Kaikamaka pretty badly in the last six or seven minutes of that fight. He came up short on the decision. I do think Kaikamaka won rounds one and two, but Kelly fought his ass off. He was extremely tough, good cardio, good clinch work, distance striking. The only real problem he showed in that fight was his takedown defense. He got taken Taken down a few times did not look really good stuff in takedowns but he was able to get back up to his feet he was not uh he was not easy to hold down at all and that was versus kai kamaka who i actually think is a better wrestler and better top control grappler than al quasi so if kelly was able to stand up from kai kamaka's takedowns without really giving up much position or ground and pound or submission attempts, I think it's very likely that he's able to do the same versus Alquazi. So Alquazi is going to be attempting takedowns. He's going to have to get that round one submission or else he's not going to win in my opinion. So Alquazi is pretty submission or bust here. I cannot see him winning by knockout or by decision. He just does not have the top control or the striking ability to do either of those. So 
Quasi needs a submission here. So I think a great way to play this fight is Kelly Moneyline and Quasi submission because even at minus 225, I think there's some value left on Kelly. I think the chances Kelly wins this fight are closer to 75 to 80%. So I will be betting Tony Kelly in this fight. I actually already have three units on him at minus 215. I bet that on Bet Online a few days ago, or maybe it was Betfair. Um, I actually forget which one. I think it was Betfair, but that same line was available on uh, Bet Online. So I think it's still available, minus 225, minus 220 some places. I think that Tony Kelly is a very safe bet, and I think he actually wins this fight probably by round three knockout or decision. I think that Kelly can win the fight a lot of different ways, but it should get pretty dominant. Uh, him stuffing takedowns, getting up from takedowns, and likely winning the, the striking pretty significantly in later in this fight, probably leading to a knockout. So the pick is going to be Kelly round three knockout, and I will be betting him as well. The next fight takes place in the middleweight division. We have Impa Kasaganai taking on Joaquin Buckley. The opening betting line for this one was Kasaganai minus 245 to Buckley plus 185. Right now we are seeing Kasaganai minus 242 Buckley plus 200. There is two-weight action coming in on this fight. I understand why. It is a pretty close fight. I think that Impa Kasagana is the much more well-rounded fighter. He can win the fight in a lot of different ways, but Buckley is dangerous. He's a very powerful striker. He digs to the body very well and throws a lot of power in his punches and is dangerous for any opponent at any time. I do have some concerns over Buckley that were shown in that Kevin Holland fight. It was a short-notice fight, so I can't you know, scrutinize him too much for it or criticize his performance too much. But I saw some problems in that fight that I think could be relevant here. He did start to actually gas out in that fight. He was breathing very heavily in round one and just did not have solid output throughout the, the three rounds of that fight. He got dropped a few times and eventually did get knocked out in round three. But the biggest problem with Buckley in that fight is he just did not set up his offense. He seemed to swing big hooks and big power punches, and sometimes he strings together combinations of punches, but he doesn't have any setup for his offense. It doesn't seem like he has a jab or many straight punches, and it seems like he just swings big powerful punches and kind of hopes they connect on his opponent. But I don't think that's going to work because Kasagana is extremely durable. He can take massive damage and keep coming forward. His striking defense is not great. He is definitely hittable, and we've seen that in a few of his fights so far as Contender Series fight and his uh, one and only fight against Maki Pitolo in the UFC. He can be hit with some punches, but he's extremely durable. He's going to keep pressuring you, and he just has so many ways to win the fight. He can win by outstriking Buckley, having the higher volume. Or the path of least resistance would be to hit takedowns because Buckley's takedown defense did not look good on tape at all. His regional fights against like Logan Storley, he got taken down and grinded out for 13-14 minutes against his the cage and on his back in that fight. So he does not have good takedown defense. He does not have much ability to get back up to his feet once he gets taken down. And Kasaganai does have solid takedown, solid top pressure, and good cardio to go the full three rounds, have high output the three rounds, hit takedowns in all three rounds if he needs to. So I'm trusting Impa Kasaganai to mix it up here to hit takedowns and probably actually outstrike Buckley on the feet. I think he'll be the better distance striker, landed more head strikes, and just winning this fight wherever it goes. So I give a slight advantage to Kasaganai on the feet, and I give him a very substantial advantage once the fight hits the floor. So I'm trusting the cardio and the durability of Impa Kasaganai to outstrike Buckley here to hit takedowns and likely win this fight via decision. I could see it being a round three finish, but Impa does not really 
have much finishing ability. But with the way that Buckley kind of gassed out in that last fight, he is coming off of a very recent knockout where he got dropped and absorbed a lot of damage in that fight. I do think a finish is possible on either side here. If Buckley wins, it is going to be by knockout. And I could see a late uh, accumulated damage knockout from uh, Kasakani as well. So maybe you can play fight ends by knockout here. But in terms of official predictions, my pick is Impa Kasagana by decision. The next fight takes place in the heavyweight division. We have Rodrigo Nascimento taking on Chris Dockhaus. The opening betting line for this one was Nascimento minus 310 to Dockhaus plus 260. Right now we are seeing Nascimento minus 260 to Dockhaus plus 220. More action coming in on the underdog Chris Dockhouse, and I agree with the action. I think that this is a pretty off line where it sits at now. I think that Nascimento can only be the favorite if he hits takedowns here. I think that Dockhouse is the better striker. He showed some pretty quick hand speed, some good combination punches, some accurate punches in his UFC debut against Parker Porter. Porter was a very low-level opponent, but I think Dockhouse still looked pretty good in that fight. And in his regional fights as well, he had good striking. He's dropped opponents with knees before. So I definitely think that Dockhouse is the better striker. Nascimento is not helpless on the feet. He does come from a jiu-jitsu background, trains at American Top Team, is definitely working on improving his striking. And I think his striking did look improved in his UFC debut compared to his regional fights. Um, but I still give the advantage to Dockhouse on the feet. So in my opinion, for Nascimento, to be the favorite here he's going to have to hit takedowns he does attempt takedowns at a pretty high rate but in his regional fights he fought a lot of low-level opponents they just kind of flopped to their back they went down very easily they did not have good takedown defense so we've only seen Nascimento hit a few takedowns in his entire career uh, most notably against Dantel Mays in his UFC debut but Mays got taken down five times by Cyril Gan, who is a kickboxer so Mays does not have good takedown defense at all and once Nascimento got Maze down to the ground, Maze was actually able to retain his guard and was able to stand up in round one. So I think that the chance that Nascimento gets an easy takedown and submission here are very low. I think the doghouse is going to be tough to take down. If he gets taken down, he is a black belt on, in jiu-jitsu, just got his black belt a few months ago. So I think that he will be able to retain guard. He'll be able to stay safe, not get his guard passed. And I think the doghouse will eventually work his way back up to the feet. He's going to get his back to the cage. He's going to stand up. And I think that once he gets to the feet, as I mentioned before, he will be the better striker. So this fight is all going to come down to takedown defense and get-ups of Dockhouse. And I'm actually going to trust the takedown defense and the get-ups of Dockhouse here to stuff the takedowns, to get off his back, to retain guard, not let Nascimento pass, and then make the fight count on the feet, outstrike Nascimento, possibly even hurt and knock Nascimento out somewhere along the line. So the pick for me is going to be the underdog here. Chris Dockhouse to stuff takedowns to get up once he gets taken down and to outstrike and po probably win this fight via decision. I think that it'll probably be a 29-28 decision. We likely see Nascimento get a late takedown in the round and win around that way. And I think that if Nascimento wins, it actually won't be by submission. I think I'm going to trust the defensive grappling of Dockhouse. I think that if he loses this fight, it'll probably just be by getting stuck on bottom. 
um, you know, maybe getting stuck on bottom for multiple minutes and letting Nascimento win the rounds on top time. I think that's the most likely way uh, that fight ends. So the goes the distance on this fight has extreme value. I think this one is going to the decision. It's sitting at plus 340 right now. That's an incredible line. So in this fight, I will be likely bet. I've already bet Chris Stockhouse at plus 225, and I will likely be tracking some action on the fight goes to the to the decision as well. So the pick for me is Chris Dockhouse by decision, and I think there's a tremendous amount of value in this fight. The next fight takes place in the middleweight division. We have Tom Brees taking on KB Bueller. The opening betting line for this one was Brees minus 215 to Bueller plus 165. Right now we are seeing Brees minus 260 to Bueller plus 220. I agree with the action here on Brees. I do think the initial opening line was probably set a little too short. Brees definitely deserves to be a favorite in this fight. And he does have some problems around you know, his mental state. He's fallen out of fights a few times the day of the fight, the day before the fight. He did not look good at all in his Brendan Allen fight. Um, maybe even looked like he gave up at times in that fight and got finished in round one. So Breeze is very unreliable, pretty untrustworthy, but I do think that he has a pretty significant advantage in this fight. I mean, Bueller would be the, the worst opponent he's lost to by a country mile. I did watch a bit of tape on Bueller. There's not much out there, though. He had a five-year layoff in between 2013 and 2018. He came back. He won four fights over some pretty low-level opponents. He did go the full five rounds one time in his last fight against Dwyer, but he got hit a lot in that fight. He got taken down early. He struggled a lot with Dwyer. And I just don't think that Bueller has ever beat anybody good. So I think that if Breeze attempts takedowns here and, try, and uh, tries to use his superior jujitsu, he should probably get a finish pretty quickly. Uh, Breeze is a very high-level jujitsu grappler, competes in pro jujitsu a lot, and I think that if he really goes for the finish here, he's aggressive and uses the right game plan of takedowns. He should probably get a round one submission. So I have some bets on Breeze by sub at plus 700. Uh, I think that line is probably still available, plus 500, 400. But even at that, I think that is the most likely way the fight ends because Bueller's takedown defense is just not great. His striking is okay. I do think the fight could be competitive in the striking just because we haven't seen Breeze much lately. He's been inexperienced, hasn't been uh, fighting or striking versus anybody lately. So I think the fight could be close in terms of striking. But even there, Tom Breeze is a pretty good striker southpaw striking pretty solid boxing and i think that he should win the fight if he's comfortable there um it's just really a matter of what shape breeze is coming into the fight if he's really mentally fit to you know win the fight so i'm picking and betting tom breeze uh, by submission here where the money line is at now i'd probably lay off of it because that there's big question marks around Tom Brees. But if he comes anywhere near the fighter that he was a few years ago, I think that he should finish Bueller pretty quickly here. So um, it's I'd say favor to pass even at these odds. I would not be betting Bueller at all. I think that his chances to win are just so small. So the pick is Tom Brees, and I will be betting him by submission at plus 700. The next fight takes place in the featherweight division. We have Yusef Zalal taking on Ilya Tapuria. The opening betting line for this one was Zalal minus 270 to Tapuria plus 190. Right now we are seeing Zalal minus 160 to Tapuria plus 140. 
more action coming in on the underdog Taporia making his UFC debut here. And I think I agree with the action. Taporia seems like a fun prospect. He has a very slick jujitsu game. He's got some good submissions. He goes for a lot of front chokes, guillotines, darces, anacondas. He's very skilled with those takedowns. He goes for that leg lace. He's a very slick grappler. But in terms of striking, I'm a bit underwhelmed by him. Like a lot of fighters coming into the UFC nowadays, he seems to have good offensive striking, but in terms of defense, I'm not really seeing much there. It seems like he's fought a lot of low-level opponents that have not really been dangerous strikers, and Tapuria kind of neglects his defense at times. So I think that the striking here should favor Zalal pretty heavily. I think Zalal is the much more skilled kickboxer. He's got more experience against higher-level competition. The grappling is where this fight is going to get close, and I think that's really where Tapuria has a small window to win because Taporia is coming in on short notice. He should be outstruck here, so he's going to have to hit takedowns and look to get his submission game going if he wants to win. And Tapuria does come out pretty aggressively, consistently. He does go for takedowns early in round one, so I think Tapuria does have a shot here. Zalal can be pushed up against the cage. He can be taken down. He got taken down by Mary Skull in their LFA fight just about a year or two ago. And I definitely think that Zalal's takedown defense, his footwork maybe avoiding takedowns, is kind of his biggest weakness. So Taporia definitely has a small window to win here. I think he needs to hit takedowns and likely get a submission in round one if he's going to win because I think that the cardio should fall off pretty heavily. We haven't really seen uh, Taporia late in rounds. He's only been out of round one one time, and he did win that fight, but he was already dominating that fight, and it was over a zero and zero opponent. So... Taporia's record is just a lot of quick submissions over low-level fighters. I don't think he's been tested at all yet, and Zalal is definitely going to be the toughest test of his career. So at this price, this money line, I actually think the value is on Yusef Zalal. I think he's a much better fighter, and the longer the fight goes, it's really going to start to favor him. But I honestly think I will probably pass on the pre-fight bet here and look to live bet Zalal because if Taporia does not get that round one submission, if he isn't able to get takedowns in round one, he probably gets outstruck and likely finished in rounds two or three here. So Zalal will probably be a good live bet. And in terms of the finish, Zalal does not seem to have good finishing ability. He has some pop in some of his strikes. He attempts submissions from time to time, but he is definitely not an aggressive finisher. So I wouldn't count on that that finish if you're betting inside the distance or betting the under here because I think we could see a dominant decision uh, in rounds two and three leading to a Zalal victory. So in terms of a pre-fight bet, I think Tapuria is the pre-fight side. I think if you want to maybe throw some uh, stabs on Tapuria submission round one, that's a good bet. But look to live bet Yusuf Salal here if he is able to avoid the takedowns and avoid getting submitted, which I do think he does. So the pick for me is going to be Zalal by round three finish or by decision. And I'm going to be looking to live bet uh, Zalal here maybe halfway through round one after round one, some point like that. The next fight takes place in the heavyweight division. We have Tom Aspinall taking on Alan Badeau. The opening betting line for this one was Aspinall minus 350 to Badeau plus 250. Right now we are seeing Aspinall minus 580 to Badeau plus 440. Much more action coming in on the favorite Tom Aspinall. This is a short notice fight for Alan Badeau. He spent most of his career at light heavyweight, 205 pounds, but this morning he weighed in north of 250 pounds on the scale so it's safe to say that he is very out of shape likely didn't cut any weight or train for this fight just taking a quick short notice fight 
The few fights of Badeau that are available, he looked very bad in. He got knocked out in the Dolce Lungambula fight. It was just brawling recklessly in that fight with no type of defense and got knocked out cold. Um, he stuffed some takedowns of a very low-level opponent, Nakajima, and finished him. In his most recent fight against Stout, it was a low-output kickboxing match where not much happened. Badeau kept going for those judo throws in the clinch. He spent some time on bottom in round two. Didn't really have much ability to get off of his back. In round three, he got taken down and got submitted. So Badeau doesn't have good takedown defense. Seems pretty easy to submit. Doesn't have good uh, striking defense and isn't really a dangerous offensive striker. So he's not a good fighter in any capacity. Aspinall has not really impressed me much either, uh, but I do think this should be a very easy win for him. He likely gets a finish in round one he can really do it however he wants he can maybe look to work on his ground game Aspinall his ground game is not really good he has trouble getting taken down as well so if Bedeau wants to win the fight at all if he wants to go for broke he should go for a quick takedown and try to get a submission or something like that but that is very unlikely I think that Aspinall probably stuffs takedowns, avoid getting taken down, and just outstrikes Badeau, likely landing a pretty quick knockout here I think we could see like a 60 to 90 second knockout from Aspinall so that's about all the analysis needed for this one. I, I cap Aspinall close to like minus 900 here. His chances at 90%. So Aspinall is a pretty safe parlay piece if you want to throw him in there or something. Or maybe mess around with some props, some round one props inside the distance, whoever. Um, the pick is Aspinall round one knockout. The next fight takes place in the middleweight division. We have Driscus Duplessis taking on Marcus Perez. The opening betting line for this one was Duplessis minus 195 to Perez plus 155. Right now we are seeing Duplessis minus 165 to Perez plus 155. So there is two-way action coming in on this fight. Honestly, a bit surprised to see Duplessis as the favorite. I did some tape on him. He's pretty underwhelming in my opinion. His striking technique is pretty sloppy. His offense does not look very crisp at all. His defense is not good. I've seen him get uh, dropped. I've seen him get rocked before. He seems actually a bit chinny. And most of his success comes from taking down his opponents, outgrappling them, and getting submissions. But that's going to be very hard to do here versus Marcus Perez, who I believe is the better grappler, who comes from a jiu-jitsu background, who has some decent submissions in LFA and in the UFC. And I just think that Perez is the better grappler of the two. So Duplessis is going to have to use his athleticism here. He's going to have to push a pace, maybe get this fight into the later rounds to win this fight because I really don't give Duplessis many advantages in this fight at all. I think that Perez is the better striker and the better grappler. So the most likely way I see Duplessis winning the fight is a low output, 15 minute decision, not much happens, maybe a lot of clinching and cage stalling and pushing against the cage. That is Duplessis' best case scenario in my opinion. I mean, we could see a random knockout on the feet like he got over Soldich, um, but I think that Perez should be the better striker here. He's the more natural 185-pounder. Duplessis fought most of his career at 170, and uh, Perez has decent boxing. He's got a very dangerous southpaw body kick. He throws very hard kicks to the body with that left kick. Um, so I think that Perez is more likely to score a knockout on the feet. I think Perez is more likely to hit takedowns and get a submission. So I favor Perez here. I think that he honestly should be the favorite. I'm not really sure what people are seeing in Duplessis. He did get a knockout over Soldic, who is apparently a high-level prospect over in KSW. But outside that, Duplessis is very underwhelming. And I think that I'm going to go with Maluka Perez as my official prediction. I mentioned that he could win by finish in both ways, either knockout or submission earlier. But I actually think my... 
Pure pick is going to be Marcus Perez by decision. I do think he can win the fight in a lot more ways, though. So I love him as an underdog. I will likely be betting him for one, one and a half units at this plus 155 price. I might even wait uh, another few hours, uh, you know, maybe wait till the day of the fight to bet him uh, because the action seems to be coming in on Duplessis. So keep an eye out for this line. I like uh, Marcus Perez to pull off the upset here. The next fight takes place in the heavyweight division. We have Ben Rothwell taking on Marcin Tabura. The opening betting line for this one was Tabura minus 115 to Rothwell minus 105. Right now we are seeing Rothwell minus 160 to Tabura plus 140. So this is a pretty bad fight. I, I don't want to analyze this one too much because I think it's going to be a close decision. I think it's going to be a split decision type of fight. I think Ben Rothwell probably wins this decision, but it's not a confident pick at all. I actually bet Tabura at plus 176 early on in the week, but once I saw his weigh-ins, he actually gained about 15 pounds from his fight a, a few months ago. I decided to hedge that action out, and now I'll be betting both sides of this fight. Um, so... Not much analysis can be put into this one. They're both extremely old heavyweights. Rothwell's looked very inconsistent since he came off his suspension. The same goes for Tabura as well. He's been knocked out and looked terrible in some of his recent fights. And then he's put together three-round performances, like his most recent fight against Max Grishin, showed some good takedowns, showed some cage pushing in that fight. And that's really how he's going to win the fight here, is by pushing Rothwell against the cage, landing some takedowns. Because at, in the distance striking, I do give an advantage to Rothwell. And Tabura is just going to have to make this fight ugly, grind it against the cage, put him in the clinch, which Rothwell can be put against the cage at some time. He just has such low initiative and um, aggression in his recent fights that I do think that uh, Tabura just pushing against the cage and holding him there for the entire fight is a very real path to victory for Tabura. So I think the fight is about 60-40 in advantage for Ben Rothwell. I like the value early on in Tabura, but now that I've seen that he gained some weight and realizing that his path to victory is pretty limited, I'm just going to buy my way out of this fight. I don't advise betting either side of this fight, but my official prediction is going to be Ben Rothwell by decision. But I really wouldn't bet this fight. It's a really low-level fight. It's probably going to be a close split decision type of fight, and it's probably better to just save your money for another fight. The next fight takes place in the featherweight division. We have Edson Barboza taking on Makwan Amir Khani. The opening betting line for this one was Barboza minus 180 to Amir Khani plus 155. Right now we are seeing Barboza minus 275 to Amir Khani plus 250. So this is a short notice fight for Makwan Amir Khani. He fought about one or two months ago, but only has about one or two weeks notice for this fight. Barboza was supposed to fight Sadiq Youssef. That would have been a really fun fight, but... Amir Khani basically needs to wrestle, needs to hit takedowns here, and probably needs to submit Barbosa to win because he cannot outstrike Barbosa. Barbosa is the much better striker by a massive margin. So without takedowns, Makwan cannot win this fight. That's why you see him as the underdog. And to be honest, I actually thought that Edson Barbosa's footwork and his takedown defense looked better than it has in years in his most recent fight against Dan Ige. He did technically lose that fight via split decision, but that was a fun back and forth fight. Barboza rocked him with uh, head strikes in round one, dropped Ige 
won round one. Round two was competitive, back and forth. Ige was on his way to winning the round before Barboza hurt Ige with a knee to the body. A lot of people on the TV seemed to notice this and score the round for Barbosa, but two of the judges seemed to not see that knee land and gave the round to Ige anyway. And then in round three, Ige won the round pretty clearly. He was uh, It was a close competitive striking round for the first three or four minutes, but then Ige hit a takedown late in the round and kept top position, landed some ground and pound, and put a seal on that round. So it was a close 29-28 fight. I see why it was a split decision with that knee, the way it landed. It was not very obvious that Ige was hurt. But still, Barboza put a very good performance on. He looked fast at 145. I had some concerns over him dropping that weight down, but those concerns were alleviated. His speed looked good. His power looked solid. His takedown defense and his footwork honestly looked pretty good as well. And that's what this fight's going to come down to. It's going to come down to Barboza avoiding the takedown, avoiding getting his back up to the cage where Makwan is his best. And Makwan does have solid takedowns. He does have slick submissions, good transition submissions that he can catch on good opponents. But I just think it's very unlikely that he gets it on Barboza here. I think Barboza will be outstriking Makwan at distance, hurting him with punches and likely just not letting Makwan get close enough to shoot a takedown. So Makwan's going to be shooting some ugly shots. Likely he's not going to get the takedown, and he's probably going to get knocked out in rounds two or three here. Um, so the pick for me is going to be Barbosa by a late knockout. If you want to bet Makwan, I would probably do it by submission or do it by round one, round two submission because Makwan tends to slow down and gas out later in fights, especially with it being short notice. So if Makwan does not get those early takedowns, I think his chances of winning the fight drop exponentially and he likely gets finished in rounds two or three. The pick for me is going to be Barbosa round three knockout. Um, Makwan actually took a lot of damage versus Shane Burgos before eventually getting knocked out in that fight. So I think a decision is possible here from Barbosa. Um, so the pick for me is going to be Barbosa by round three or decision. The next fight is the main event of the evening in the bantamweight division. We have Corey Sandhagen taking on Marlon Marais. The opening betting line for this one was... Marias, the minus 135 favorite to Corey Sanhagen, the plus 115 underdog. Right now, we are seeing Sanhagen minus 140 to Marias plus 120. So the line has flipped. Corey Sanhagen is now the favorite. And I believe that that is the right side. I think that Corey deserves to be the favorite here. Although this is tricky because... I believe that Marlon Marais at plus money is probably a good bet because it is no secret that round one is Marais' best round. He rocks a lot of his opponents, has multiple round one knockouts over great competition. Uh, Jimmy Rivera, Rafael Suntau, Aljamain Sterling, that's really as good as it gets. And he has kind of had a bit of a, a regression since then. He started fast versus Cejudo was kicking his legs a lot, but gassed out hard in that fight and spent the last two rounds of that fight getting absolutely smashed and knocked out. And in the Aldo fight, he did win that fight via a close decision. I definitely agree that Marias won the fight. He won rounds one and three, but he looked a little vulnerable there again. He looked a bit gassy. He had a good round one, but round two, his output dropped off. He really didn't throw many strikes at all in round two. And then he came back and had a good round three, but Aldo wasn't really throwing much in round three. Marias was kind of pressuring him and had a bit of a higher output. I think that Marias clearly won the fight, but it just wasn't a good showing for Marias, although it was a win over Jose Aldo, the greatest fighter ever. So it's still a good feather in the cap of Marias. 
I cannot shake the feeling that Marias's cardio is just a very legitimate concern. In his three UFC fights that have gone to the decision, all three of them have been split decisions. That kind of shows a problem with cardio, with output. He doesn't really do enough to win the fights convincingly, and that is evident by the split decisions. And then the one time I mentioned that he did go late in the fight in the UFC um, where it didn't go to decision versus Cejudo, he gassed out in round two of that fight. So Marias's cardio, his output is a huge concern, especially with his fight being over five rounds. I think that that massively favors Corey Sanhagen. So early on, Marais is going to be dangerous. I think he's going to be live for an early round one knockout, as he always is. Uh, and he definitely will be the most dangerous in the first two rounds. So that's why Marias is probably not the, a bad side to be on pre-fight. I think that if you want to bet Marias in this one, you should be doing it pre-fight because he likely starts fast. He's likely going to go for that early round one knockout. And if he doesn't do it, he likely loses the fight in rounds three, four, five, or by decision. But you will be able to live bet Corey Sanhagen at some point to hedge your losses. So pre-fight bet. I don't disagree with Marlon Marais, although I do kind of cap Corey Sanhagen's chances here closer to 65%. I do think that his, I don't think that he should be minus 200 here, but I, I think that his chances of winning are eventually 65% because Marais really needs to land leg kicks to win. He's going to have a hard time landing head strikes on Corey Sanhagen because Sanhagen is going to be taller, has the longer reach. He's going to be able to avoid a lot of the punches coming at Marais. Marais isn't going to be able to land the head kick on Sanhagen because he's so much taller. So Marais is going to have to chop down the legs of of. Corey Sanhagen. He's going to have to limit the mobility of Corey Sanhagen and likely dig to the body to try to uh, make the cardio a little more even between the two because Sanhagen should have that massive cardio and output advantage late in the fight. So if Marias wants to win, he's going to have to chop the legs down and attack the body to kind of slow Sanhagen's pace down to make the fight more competitive late. However, I am not trusting Marlon Marias to do that. He has not proven to do that on tape. He has not shown to be able to execute a game plan for multiple rounds. And he just doesn't have the output or the cardio to uh, execute a game plan throughout the entire fight to trust him. I think that Marlon Rice will attack leg kicks early. He probably has some success with them, but I think that Sanhagen will adapt to them. We'll start checking the leg kicks or mixing it up, making the fight more in his range, which is the, the distance where he can use his jab, his straight punches, his reach advantage over Marias. And Sanhagen has a good kicking game as well, very skilled kicker. And really one of his best attributes is his body punching. Sanhagen has wonderful body punching, and that'll be a huge factor here against Marias, who we know slows down late in the fight. So attacking that body will be a great way to diminish the cardio of Marias and make it all the more likely for Sanhagen to take over the fight late and score a late knockout. So the pick for me is going to be Sanhagen by round three, four, five knockout. I think it probably happens in round four as my official prediction. I uh, just think the output, the cardio, the pace of Corey Sanhagen will be too much. Uh, Marlon Marais' tools will be a little too limited here. So if Marlon Marais wins the fight, it will be in the first seven or eight minutes of the fight. And I think it will be pretty evident if he has a chance just a few minutes into the fight. So a pre-fight betting side in this one, I do not knock 
play, I don't really knock plays on either side, honestly. I, I personally probably won't be betting or tracking any bets on this fight because uh, it'll be more of a live betting spot to me. I will be looking to live bet Corey Sanhagen uh, in the first or second round at some point because I think that's when he really turns a corner and starts taking over the fight. So pre-fight bets, there won't be any for me on this main event spot. I don't knock a play on either side. It's a very close, fun matchup. Really looking forward to this fight, but my official prediction is going to be Corey Sanhagen by round four knockout. So that is going to do it for the podcast this week. I thank you all for listening. Uh, Again, I mentioned I lost four units last week. I'm going to look to get back in the green this week and look to uh, climb back into the the 40s and 50 units of profit for the year of 2020. So I will post all my official bets on my Bet MMA Tips page, which you can find on my Twitter or in the description of the YouTube video. So thank you all for listening again. I will see you all next week before the next event, and I hope you all enjoy the fights and win some bets this weekend. Peace. Peace.